Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or proliftdoors.com/portland. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to head back to our series on the Democratic platform, Democratic Party of Oregon's platform. Going to go dunk on the Democrats for a little bit. If you'd like to hear us dunk on the Republicans, uh, go back a couple months and we did one called the Oregon Platform Convention, Oregon Republican Party Platform Convention, and you can hear all of the problems that we have with uh, the Republican Party. In any case, uh, Nick is on vacation right now, so it's just James here, along with Jacob Vandiver and Xander Almeida. So I figured I'd give you guys a couple seconds to uh, introduce yourselves. So Jacob, why don't you give us about two minutes of intro? Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, my name is Jacob Vandiver. I'm uh, your friendly Oregon political nerd. Uh, grew up in Umatilla out in eastern Oregon, went to college at Oregon State, did the uh, College Republicans thing out there, got involved in the party. That's actually how I met Xander, was at the uh, platform writing convention. (laughs) Um, Graduated, worked on some campaigns, did some other political work, and now I work in the legislature. So... uh, and you, you ran for state representative at one point. Yeah, you know, I forget about that sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ran in House District 16 in uh, 2014 against Dan Rayfield. So How'd you do? Uh, you know, I think I broke 27%. So, oh, nice. You know. It's not bad. So you're going to get uh, more so, votes than yeah, I am. I would have knocked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dan Rayfield, if you're listening, you're lucky I didn't get out there and knock. No, actually, uh, Representative Rayfield's always, always wow, been very a, nice. But, fine uh, words right there, Jacob. Uh, no, it, it was a great experience. It was one of those races where I wasn't going to win, but I made a lot of great connections and got to meet a lot of really cool people and join the whole process. So, um, you know, just anything Oregon politics, I love it, and I try and be a part of it. Cool. Zan Man? Uh, yeah, Xander Almeida. Uh, let's see. Uh, moved to Portland as a uh, far left-wing, basically Green Party liberal. After a couple of years of living here, it turned me into a Republican. So in, uh, in the 2008 election, I went and I signed up to register as Republican at the Multnomah County Democrat booth at Pride Festival while volunteering for a LGBT Second Amendment group called the Pink Pistols. Nice. And you, one of your claims to fame is at the Oregon Platform Convention in 2011? Yeah, that sounds right. Ish. Um, you were part of the contingent that moved to get rid of some of the anti-LGBT language from as the- As much as I could, yes. Yeah. I mean, I knew we weren't going to get their uh, opposition to gay marriage out of the way, but at least, you know, their opposition to, I don't know, a loving couple adopting a child- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so stuff like that. One of the things I think that the three of us and four, if Nick was here, agree on is trying to make the platform and the party a bit more friendly to LGBT folks, minorities, women, all that. You know, half the population of the country. Yeah, 
Exactly. So anyway, <laughs> moving along, we are still Republicans, and so we're going to go uh, look at the Democrats and what they believe. Let's go rip on some Democrats. Why way. they're terrible. So <laughs> article, <laughs> article 6 of the Democratic Party of Oregon platform, healthcare, basic needs, and gun safety. So I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> the fact that healthcare and gun safety are in the same article is interesting to me. I mean, I guess guns cause health care issues <laughs> if you really want to go and stretch it that far however you know do they even have a second amendment plank or is it, is, is, they just go and a, ignore I that think, entire amendment i think it's like just, one they jump to like five <laughs> yeah i i don't know i mean it seems like why isn't can under more of a, a criminal justice issue i mean i feel like there's a lot of crime that inflicts harm on people or people i mean any person crime could wind somebody up in the hospital so. you know what it's jacob true. there's still a long platform here there are so many more ways in which the democrats can go rip on gun rights so let's, oh, they, let's they do they do have a criminal justice article article nine. Oh. so i don't know why that's in gun safety anyway it's okay Moving just along. chill until the next episode <laughs> <laughs> article six Oregon Democrats affirm the equality of every individual and the right of all to be treated with dignity and respect. Okay. Sounds good to me. Yep. We believe all people have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Doing well so far. Sounds good. Good I job. I like it. Where's the health care part? Here, here. <laughs> Sorry. We realize that true freedom cannot exist without economic security and independence for all. Where's okay. the health care part? Well, getting there. Okay. Sorry. Is this... As such, we believe in a strong social safety net that provides the basic necessities of life, including health care as a human right. The absence of a comprehensive mental and behavioral health care system is destroying lives and undermining the economy and is therefore unacceptable. We support all necessary measures to counter serious threats to public safety, such as gun violence. We seek a world in which all persons may live in peace and free from oppression of all forms, Society thrives when everyone has access to public services and infrastructure. Um, I don't think they stuck the landing on that one. Yeah, kind of was all over the place. That's my favorite thing about um, platforms is you can tell they're all written by committee. Yeah. And everyone has like their thing that they want to get in. And even if it doesn't jive necessarily with everything, like they fought to get it in there. So it always makes them read. It always makes them read in a fun way. All right. Well, let's just jump straight into the planks then. Uh, Plank one. We strongly support women's rights to reproductive freedom, including unrestricted access to reproductive health care, regardless of ability to pay. This means unrestricted access to affordable, high-quality, culturally sensitive care, the full range of reproductive services, contraception, and abortion, without requiring guardian, judicial, parental, or spousal consent or notification. So they're just not even hiding the abortion thing. They're just going to nope, just coming jump right, right in. Like number one, most important healthcare issue in the entire state of Oregon, one of the most, if not the most, liberal state when it comes to abortion. That's that's the number one issue. That is the number one plank. Yeah, in, I'm as not far as- saying that it's not an important issue, but I wouldn't even remotely call it number one. <laughs> this is, I just find this one interesting because I mean they 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 take. A lot of these very far left stances, such as regardless of ability to pay, essentially that means state funded abortion. Un- universal, well, universal abortion. This is this yeah. is about abortion. This is an abortion plank. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can talk about single payer or other health care, but this particular plank is about abortion. Can I ask what a culturally sensitive abortion is? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I 
don't know what a culturally sensitive abortion is. Okay, cool. Good talk. <laughs> All right. I guess let's just uh, let's just move on. I don't know what to say about that one. Yeah, that's I, I, again number one. Democrats, really, really, really. Okay, I'm done. Plank two. We support the right of all Oregonians to the to access the basic necessities of life, such as food, water, health care, sleep, and shelter. Therefore, we establish we support the establishment of universal basic income. Oh, they added universal basic income. Yes, oh. number two. Is that Plank new? Two. Was this was this a Yang Gang victory? I'm not sure. I don't know when UBI I, in the house. I didn't look at the. Uh, the edit history on this. So, so here's my thing with, with, with the declaration of these rights is, you know, I, I agree. I think all humans deserve access to health care and food and all the other essentials. That doesn't mean government mandates are the best way of delivering that to the most amount of folks. It's like, I think everyone deserves to meet the love of their life and fall in love and get married. It doesn't Aww. mean I want the government setting us up on dates to try and make it happen or that that would be the most effective system. Yeah. And talking, I mean, basic necessities such as food, water, health care, sleep, and shelter Food and water, I mean, access to food and water, but it's basically kind of the way they're talking about this is, yeah, the government should supply those things. And it's like, well, just because this is something that I've tried, I've struggled with, like just because a thing is good doesn't mean the government should be the one to provide it. That's a good way to put it, I think. Also, if the Democrats believe in the universal right to a good night's sleep, I wish they would go and talk to that uh jerk off who revs up his head shimmer eight o'clock in the morning outside my house <laughs> i was gonna say the guy who sleeps <clears throat> on the corner out here um with the democratic mayor and democratic city council and democratic metro and democratic county and democratic governor and democratic state legislature uh and yet we have homeless all over the place i wonder if the democrats could fix that problem so that everyone can have access to sleep and shelter and shelter yeah you know it's again I, i've been here for 16 years now at this point it has never been this bad. Yeah. It and is, I feel like it's markedly worse than even four or five years ago. Oh, oh, it absolutely is. And I just sit here twiddling my thumbs trying to ask myself, what the hell is Ted Wheeler thinking about doing running for re-election right now? Yeah. He is ma- like the city is markedly worse under his entire administration. What does he possibly have to run on? And the, I mean, the other thing about universal basic income is I have yet to see an actual plan that pays for it. I mean, I I would not Magic. be I would not be wholly opposed to this. I mean, but it needs to pay for itself. You know, you cannot just raise taxes on the rich and give everybody a thousand bucks a month. Like that is a ton of money, and you're you're going to basically take everything. You you the only way I could see universal basic income working is if you simultaneously got rid of every single other entitlement program. You know, and I I think there's a lot of problems with the universal basic income, but I like the issue it's trying to address and i like the conversations that it sparks of, mm. you know i you know i think we're seeing a lot of consequences of globalization and trade and overseas you know jobs being moved overseas and automation and the net effect of both of those have had on the industrialization of a lot of a lot of towns in oregon yeah. and i feel like the ubi conversation is an attempt to address a very real problem of what happens in the future when there's a chunk of the population that isn't just unemployed, but unemployable? Yeah. And I like that we're at least looking at solutions. I don't think UBI is the exact fit for that because I think, I think meaningful work is part of what humans need. So. Well, I'll play devil's advocate on this one. I, I think that a thousand dollars a month is not going to get you very far. No. Uh, you still have what? to work. It just kind <clears throat> of supplements that and. 
So, I mean, for honestly, right now, as a new business owner, I don't make a ton of money. A thousand bucks a month would go a long way to helping me out right now. Uh, and I'm sure other people who are starting businesses, the first couple of years are pretty rough. You know, it pays for itself down the road, but you know, you still got to eat in the meantime. Yep. So, I, I mean, if I just paid a thousand dollars a month less in taxes, I'd be, I'd be quite happy. That's true. Yeah. Wouldn't that essentially be the same thing? I'll take it. I'll spend the same. Well, well, no, because, and so this is, this is, it's, it's the appearance of difference. Would you have the same amount of spending money if you take a thousand dollars of a way of taxes? Yes. But you're not relying on the government for that. And therefore it doesn't achieve the purpose of the government then giving you something. That's what, that's government what they're reliance. trying to do. Do you ever realize that's what government we're trying reliance. to do is we're, we're trying the, the, I believe the Democrats are trying to get people more reliant on the government because then they'll continue to vote Democrat because they can't, they can't see that go away. If we were to reduce everybody's taxes by a thousand dollars a month, no one, so no one would see it. Yeah. I, it. It would not, you would not see that as, Oh, the the government is giving me this thing. You would see that as, oh, I'm just keeping more of I'm my own money. I'm making more money I of am my more, own money that I actually wouldn't earn. Right. I am more <laughs> self reliant. They would not see this as a government entitlement program, and therefore they would be more inclined to vote for Republican, yeah. who would then reduce taxes further, well, rather than. A, and that's the. I, I feel like there's a bit of a slippery slope that you're going to need safeguards for. Of what just prevents every congressperson, every president running on just raising the UBI? Another two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars every time they one run for re-election. Once the system's in place, to a point where it becomes unsustainable. That's a good point. And yeah, once you get to the point where you're just you're just printing money, you, you don't even have. We've just, we've just <laughs> demonstrated that you don't need to tax in order to give people money. You can just print money. So uh, to the tune of trillions of dollars. So it seems fine. Yeah, I mean, the Zimbabwean <laughs> government uh, tried this out and worked out great yeah. for them. But right. you know what? I think it's a, I think it's a good conversation, and I feel like a lot of the people pushing it are doing it in a good faith way. So Yang Gang, hit me, hit me up if you want to talk uh, sure. nerdy UBI policy. Also, I'm a billionaire in Zimbabwe, by the way. <laughs> I think we all are. Okay, plank three. We believe in protecting vulner- the vulnerable from neglect and abuse, especially children, the medically fragile, people with disabilities, and the elderly. So uh, well, this okay. is another like, this is good, but now like, like we're giving, language. are we giving the government power to then protect these things? And what power are we giving to the government with the goal of protecting people? <clears throat> well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why we have Medicare. That's why we have Medicaid. Like Medicare is designed to protect seniors. Medicaid is designed to protect the, 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 the poorest among us. And I mean, we're at the point where a quarter of the state is a part of the Medicaid population. It's one of the bigger chunks. So. Mm. That's 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 where that's where our systems are at. Yeah, and this is another like reliance on government thing to me. You know, just because this thing is good, just because we should protect these people from from neglect and abuse, as soon as you give that responsibility to the government, it's you can't ever take it away, and you, people are just more and more reliant on the government, which is not good in the long run. I don't know it. the The wording and phrasing of this come ac- comes across to me as. Though these populations cannot ever possibly go and fend for themselves, mm. that the only possible way they can exist is to make sure that the government goes and holds their hand the entire way. That to me is sure. is, is almost a little bit insulting to, to to these populations. Like, yeah, there are plenty that get off just fine without having to have the government go and hold their hand the whole way. Well, and and I and I think this is one of the things that makes the healthcare conversation difficult for Republicans is. Once you let the government into the healthcare sphere, it's not going back. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, 
you're not going to repeal Medicare. You're not going to repeal Medicaid. I think this is one of the challenging conversations about Obamacare is now that it's in place, even a Trump administration saying we're going to protect people with preexisting conditions. Those those mm-hmm. popular aspects that are already in place, you're not taking those away. It's 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 a system that's almost designed to grow government's involvement more and more. All right, plank four. We believe all consenting adult couples should have the equal and unequivocal right to civil marriage. We further believe that Oregon's LGBTQ plus community deserves to live their lives without fear of violence, employment discrimination, disproportionate exposure to poverty, or gaps in healthcare access, which haunt this community. So, okay. agree with the first bit of it. Again, it's like it's saying all of these things, and then we're going to give the essentially give the government the power to enforce these things. It's a word salad, by the way. Yeah. So, I mean, should LGBT couples have the right to marry? Absolutely. Why is that in the healthcare part of the platform? I'm so confused. Well, maybe because at the end, because it goes to disproportionate exposure to poverty, gaps in healthcare, access. Yeah, but then you didn't need the marriage equality part. That doesn't make any sense in a healthcare and gun safety plank. <laughs> well, to, to Jacob's, to Jacob's point, this is, these are written by community or uh, committee. Yeah. These are written by committee. So someone probably just threw that in there. It was probably the LGBTQ plank, and somebody said, we should throw equal- marriage equality in there. And then someone was, then it got voted on, and nobody wants to vote against that. So it got added in the wrong place. And that's, I feel like a lot of these so far have been values and like, I'm not going to dunk on people's values. Like, yeah, yeah. it's good. It's good. Where's the policy at? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, again, well, I mean, it's a platform. It shouldn't be policy. It should be should be more ideas. But, like, I think it's fair to point out these things that the LGBTQ community has uh, disproportionate exposure to poverty, gaps in health care, uh, sure. violence, employment discrimination. Like, those things happen, and we as society needs need to work to eliminate those. Sure. I am, again, just hesitant every time we give, we say, this is a problem, therefore government. Government should go fix this. Well, and, but again, so do basically every single ethnic minority in this state, and they're nowhere mentioned in that portion of the plank, so. Well, we're not done yet. They may be later. Okay. We'll I'm just I don't throwing know. it out there. I don't remember. Again, as your token Mexican on your podcast, I feel... <laughs> Uh, uh, ethnically bound to go and uh, mention that. We have had we had Alexander Flores on. Oh, I know. Yeah. But, I'm, but I've been on more. You have been on more. That's true. But you're not the token. You are the recurring Mexican. Ooh. All right. Alexander's only been on once. That's his new Twitter handle, actually. <laughs> Re- recurring Mexican. Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm changing it right now. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> okay. Plank five. We support the Second Amendment. Ooh. I'm a little, little surprised by that oh, one. But oh, all right. And, and, okay. So we support Where's the, second, the but. Yeah. It yes, was an but. and. It's an and. We support the Second Amendment and believe that hunting, sport shooting are safe and responsible gun ownership are traditions, excuse me, and safe, responsible gun ownership are traditions worth preserving for future generations. Uh-huh. We thus support comprehensive background checks for all gun sales and believe in measures to reduce firearm related injury, or excuse me, firearm related violence, injury, death, to promote public safety and to promote public safety. Uh, in Oregon, we already have universal background checks. Like, that's that's a thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Why, that, is, why is, do we need that in here? That was um, shockingly not terrifying. Yeah. No, it was actually, it was actually good. I, I'm, I'm okay I was, with this. I'm actually, like, quite surprised that that was not more extreme considering the types of bills that Democrats in the state have tried to go and pass in regards to going and messing up people's second amendment rights so i've got a theory on this (laughs) so 
you know how the electoral college and all these like the, the way our government is set up more or less benefits rural sparsely populated areas yeah and so i wonder if in the democratic party because the way this thing is set up is every county gets four is it four electro electorates is it is it the there was two or four so i think it's like the the chair of the party of this of the county party the vice chair and i'm not sure if they include the secretary and the treasurer but it's it's very similar to that where you get a certain minimum number of votes and then you also get more votes based on your population and so it tends to benefit lower populated communities counties so i wonder if your rural democrats have more say have mm-hmm. more say even though they have lower population well, within the Democratic or Party. At le- or at least the more yeah. urban Democrats recognize a need to not entirely alienate those populations where the actual swing elections I don't are, believe that are occurring. Because I <laughs> because I think I think gun rights is one of those issues that splits the Democratic base more so than most other issues. Hmm. I mean I think it does I, too. I think you could find if if you could find a dozen elected pro-life democrats in congress like that would shock me but i think there's a lot of pro second amendment or sorry democrat yeah did i say democrats yeah. yeah but i think there's a decent chunk of democrats from rural areas who are pro second amendment i think there mm. are, i think there's even ones from urban areas that are pro second amendment i mean dur- even during this whole pandemic i can't tell you how many of my liberal progressive friends were calling me asking for advice i want to buy my first gun how do i do it mm. and i had at least it's probably at least eight to ten friends buying their first gun for the first time during this pandemic and because they were just frightened by the state of the world and also realized that, like, oh, uh, the cops are bad and I want to protect myself. Well, and, and, <laughs> and, the, and, and the statistics hold that up. In the last few months, there has been a pretty big spike of first-time gun and ammo buyers. So. Interesting. Yeah. That's why I had to go to Wisconsin to buy a hollow point. They didn't have any here? They're out? Nope. Not nine mil. All right. We're going to leave it at that. Plank six, we support the adoption of an equitable, high-quality, comprehensive, single-payer health care system that includes general, preventative, and emergency care, plus vision, dental, hearing, and mental health services at the state or federal level. That was a long sentence. Don't we already have single-payer health care plan in the state of Oregon? Uh, We have the Oregon health plan, but that's only for low income. We don't have a single-payer system. Okay, so basically, if you are poor, there's a plan for you already that's run by the state of Oregon. Yes. Okay, just wondering. So, uh, this is another thing where I probably am a little bit more liberal, and we could probably have an entire podcast on healthcare policy. <laughs> um, there are a lot of problems with the healthcare system, and where you have a lot of problems, you have potential for improvement. And I think the a lot of Republicans being conservative the definition of the word conservative is not wanting to change things uh kind of tend to think that what we have now is the best and it's not nope (laughs) and so i would be open to a lot of different approaches because we do have one of the most if not the most expensive healthcare system in the developed world in the united states and we don't need to there are better systems that can get better care for less money we just and I'm, i'm open to hearing those ideas i mean healthcare in this country is so uh messed up that there is a hospital i believe it's somewhere i want to say it's in cleveland ohio and their entire model is we only take cash payments we don't take insurance and they will put 
the prices of everything that they do on their website. Broken hmm. Bone, $5,000. You know, it's like, uh, you need, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, like heart surgery, like, like $100,000. The prices are there. Yeah. And they list them there. And their model is so efficient that you have out of state unions sending people to the, to that hospital and paying for the difference because it's cheaper for them to do that than it is to go and send them to the local hospital that their union is a part of. So I and know that's wild to me that that would be the case that these institutions are willing to go and pay for the flight hotel and the cost of surgery or, or whatever it is to their members because it's cheaper for them than going through an, an actual local hospital that they have connections with. And on, on top of that as well, you know, like if you have the whole like, you know, broken leg, $5,000 procedure, if anything ever goes wrong with your leg again, they fly you back there and fix it for free. Hmm. Like that's their system. That's their model. Interesting. And so clearly if that's a model that is incredibly successful in this one part of the country, like the rest of the model is pretty effed. <laughs> Crazy how capitalism can work sometimes. It is almost <laughs> as though the private market, when actually left to its capitalistic designs, can sometimes work. Well, the, and... Oh, the, sorry, the, the counter argument to that, of course, I think, is if you have emergency open heart surgery and have to spend two months in the hospital, and that is probably listed on their website at about one and a half million dollars. And, you know, I, I can't afford that. I don't know about you. So, um, I mean, that, that's, that's the other side of that, that argument. And that's fair. But also, they don't charge as much as other hospitals do for their procedures. Sure. Because their bureaucratic uh, oversight is almost nothing. Because they don't deal with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think my big problem with this is it, it's presenting a single payer healthcare option. Not even an option. It would, that would be all you have. It's presenting it as the silver bullet easy fix. And yes. healthcare is one of the most complex policy issues that anyone is facing right now. And to pretend that there aren't trade offs, everything in healthcare is a trade off. You, you're making trade offs between affordability, trade offs <laughs> for access, trade offs for quality. Like we can point to all these other systems around the world. They're in countries that are very different than the United States. We're not going to have Scandinavian or United Kingdom healthcare in a population as big as the United States. Or as with, diverse, with, which is an important. Yeah, yeah, diverse with you know we're, we're more reckless. We have worse <laughs> diets. Like <laughs> well, USA, it, you know, USA. Sorry. If and, if everyone has access to culturally appropriate abortions, then you know it <laughs> just solves the problem. Well, and, and and at the same time, like. Most of the innovation in the healthcare system comes from America, and there's a lot of trade-offs yep. for the cost we're paying for that. But You're let's but, world. but let's not pretend that that's not occurring. I mean, there, sure. there, there there's all sorts of issues with our healthcare system, and we can take a lot of stabs. But there's going to be a downside of whatever action you take. Nothing, nothing's a silver bullet. Nothing's an easy fix. Yeah. Uh, one more comment, and then we'll move on to the next one. But I had a conversation with a guy who's really uh, here in Oregon, who's really pushing for a single payer system. And like I said, I'm open to ideas. I would be open to something as long as it makes sense. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about was insurance is a huge business. So if we go to a single payer system, now all of a sudden an entire industry goes out of existence, including all those jobs, including all of that investment. You know who invests in insurance companies? Pension programs. Yeah. Are you concerned about your public employee pension system? It's a lot of their investment is in insurance. So if that all goes away, those stocks go to zero. Guess what? I'm sorry. That's uh, that's largely an issue that probably shouldn't exist and as powerful as it is today. So I have zero sympathy for that going away. I, I mean, just, I'm just saying. Like it's it's I, I'm not 
not going to outright disagree with you, but that's something we have to take into consideration is that is a lot of jobs, a lot of money that just evaporates. I mean, you could say the same thing for the, uh, you know, horse and buggy industry when the car came around, but yeah, but that wasn't, you shouldn't that wasn't, go and stop the progress of that happening. That wasn't killed <laughs> by government fiat. That was killed by capitalism and it took place over time. Well, that's the thing. With single payer, you're essentially saying we are going to replace the insurance industry with a government buyer of healthcare. Correct. So all those... Co- anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> Plank seven. We believe in the right for every Oregonian to safe, healthy, and affordable housing and shelter. As such, we support actions to address the epidemic of displacement from housing within our local communities and across the state. I'm not sure exactly what that is. That gentrification? That is it gentrification <laughs> or? I'm having a hard or, time. Uh, that's how I that took one. it, but I, yeah, I may be wrong. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Is that their anti homelessness plank? I think it's, I think it's probably, dis- I think it's uh, gentrification. I think it must be. So they oppose gentrification. They couldn't just say that? I yeah, it's, it's, it's unclear. Okay. I, I don't want to talk about that plank anymore. <laughs> plank eight. DPO, that plank is dumb. Plank eight, we support the right for everyone to have access to safe and nutritious food and the full funding of all nutritional programs. So again, like it's just the, because it's, it's the nutrition program. food is good snap, doesn't mean plank. just uh, just because food, everyone needs food doesn't mean the government should be providing the food. I mean, there has to be some sort of individual responsibility and, you know, risk and reward for going out and, and contributing to society. You, you I, I don't know. Well, I, I had a really interesting conversation with somebody once of our entire food production system was designed to combat starvation and scarcity. And so we have a lot of really cheap food that's easily accessible and lasts a really long time. That's probably not the best thing for our health and nutritional futures, but that's what our system was designed to do. Like there is not the poverty that there was in the 1920s. Or, you know, whenever, because we made a conscious decision to design our food production systems in a way where food is cheap, even if it's not the best. We yeah. also have a incredible amount of food waste in this country. I don't know if you guys have ever gone and um, volunteered at the Oregon Food Bank, but that is a phenomenal non-governmental organization that works privately with grocery stores to go and ensure that Oregonians don't go hungry in this state. They are great um, I volunteered there a couple times and you're basically just kind of going and sorting through like, you know, frozen meat and like, you know, day old vegetables and whatnot. And, you know, plugging all these, you know, boxes of food into, uh, into, uh, boxes and shipping them out to, uh, to hungry Oregonians and is 100% done without government assistance or aid. I subscribe to the imperfect produce box where they nice. send you that box of the kind of like ugly apples and stuff. And it's great. I get it like twice a week and. Or not twice, every two weeks. And yeah. Get a bunch of food that supermarkets don't want because they don't look nice. Yeah. I, and again, I think this is all showing that you can solve the hungerness problem with zero government assistance. I am hesitant to say this because I do appreciate what the food bank does, but they took out ads on Facebook back during the Republican walkout condemning Republicans for walking out. So the Oregon they, Food Bank? The Oregon Food Bank. Hmm. They are a 501c3. That is illegal. They did it anyway. Not only did they make a statement, they took out ads. I took a screenshot. Oh, um, that's upsetting. Yeah. So I, I have volunteered for them in the past, and I am choosing to send my my volunteer time and energy to different places now. Because uh, All right. Well, I like the Oregon Food Bank. 
uh, an organ food bank. I'm looking to sponsor a podcast. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> no, uh, this one. <laughs> All right. Um, plank nine. We believe freedom of the press and accuracy of the press are vital to a healthy democracy. We believe... <laughs> We believe truth is a foundational cornerstone of public freedom and attempts to present counterfactual claims as truth in order to achieve political ends contravenes our freedom and is thus unacceptable. What was the uh, title of this particular... Freedom of the Press. Don't you remember? Oh, oh, wait, no. It was healthcare. Healthcare and gun safety. But I... Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, <laughs> does the healthcare... Uh, incorporate the healthy state of the freedom of press is that how they're stretching I, this i am so baffled sure. by this one right now so there be- have been some weird ones in here and this one might be <laughs> the weirdest in which they're gonna go and try to wrap first amendment rights around health care and gun safety <laughs> like- so to be to be fair there's nothing in here i disagree with that's not the point <laughs> i don't think that this is the correct article for that yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it's who's going to be the arbiter of truth. Like, yeah. is it the well, government? I hope yep. not. Is it Facebook or Twitter? I hope not. I really like, hope not. Like, well, I, I feel like there's no one anyone trusts to be the arbiter of truth. And so just the marketplace of ideas is the best option for being the arbiter of truth. Yeah. I, the, yeah but what is it doing in this article? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it's, yeah, who, who decides what is truth is probably, the, I remember the, Surgeon General tweeted back in March that masks do nothing for coronavirus. Masks don't prevent coronavirus, that you should not buy masks. And, you know, he did that, I think, because at the time masks were in short supply in the hospitals and they're trying to get people to, to not buy, not buy and hoard masks. But that is demonstrably untrue, produced and tweeted by an official source. I mean, everyone likes to talk about Trump and his fake news and the stuff that he's talked about coronavirus. And he's he's had a lot of like misinformation that he has propagated as truth. But it's not just him. Thirty-seven percent of the misinformation about COVID comes from Donald Trump alone. No, I I don't disagree. I'm not on five thirty eight. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I don't disagree. And Trump so much by one one man. (laughs) Trump is one of the biggest problems here with mistruth and like untruth coming from an official source but he's not the only one and so i i would agree with you i think the the marketplace of ideas and allowing people to 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 speak their mind is the best and only solution here because if you don't have the free marketplace of ideas you have an entity made up of fallible humans deciding what is true and what is not and that that as long as you have humans controlling that is going to be slanted. It's going to be twisted. And I think we just need a culture of healthy skepticism. Yeah. You know, trust but verify. Sure. Read the article before you share just based off the title. Like, dig in, go the extra mile. Hopefully people do so in good faith. What if I just like memes that go and correspond with my already preconceived beliefs and I just want to share them and present and pretend like they're truth? Do it for the lols. Do it for the, do it for the lols. <laughs> What if I just want to own the libtards? <laughs> <laughs> just want. I mean, I just want a healthy democracy. Like Boo. you're, you're, you're getting at something here. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracies going around now, and a lot of them are being shared on the right, and are being believed yeah. by people on the right. And yeah, that is a problem. But at the same time, 
who is who do we trust to say that these things are false? I mean, I tend to trust journalists. Some of them. Sure. Sometimes. Sure. I, mean, I don't know. They've More. all got an agenda too. I, mean, I, and, I and trust individual journalists. I don't trust oh, journalists yeah. as a group. <laughs> I mean. And even the ones you trust, they're going to get it wrong sometimes. So healthy skepticism. Again, healthy yeah. skepticism is fine. Um, you know, but I, I, I tend to trust journalists more than I trust, uh, anyone in this administration. Okay. Or, I mean, I mean, Browns and Trumps. Let's be fair about that. Yeah. Fair point. Okay. Or Wheelers. Or Wheelers. Okay. Plank 10. We believe an educated and enlightened citizenry is essential to democratic society. As such, we believe that our news media must be free to investigate and criticize the government without fear of retaliation by our government. What plank? What article is this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we're we've got now two two freedom two, of the press two in a row going um, straight press in, in a healthcare and gun safety article and, and you know, basic needs. I guess it's. I it's, I, I bet know. this was all like the same people who got, who got all. Oh, of probably it. yeah. Uh, and and even our listeners out there, if you if you were part of the DPO in uh, 2019, can you just give us a call and tell us what the hell happened there? <laughs> I'm very confused. Why is why are there yeah, why is there so much freedom of the press stuff? I think we've already I addressed this in the last bit that we just yeah. said, so we should just go on to the next plank. Yeah, agreed. Uh plank eleven. We promote health insurance and medical coverage <laughs> for the full range of mental health and services and treatment for women, including early screening and intervention for postpartum depression. That doesn't jive with single payer though. You don't support health insurance if you're pushing single payer. Well, I mean, fair, but I, I guess, guess this is their stopgap. I will, yeah, I will, I will give them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because we're not on a single payer system. And so they can say, well, this is our ideal, but in the meantime, we support this. My comment on this that I made many months ago when we first started doing this is that is very specific. I mean, postpartum depression. It's a very specific. That's important, but that is a very specific thing. To mention in your party platform, I want to know where their mention of colonoscopies are in here. Yeah, well, and 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 that's the conversation. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I, like it's it's not not to take away from this, but it's like no, why why it's, pick out that particular thing? It's not to diminish it. It is an issue, but so are so many other things. I don't yeah. know why they're choosing this one thing: There's pancreatic cancer and, and and hone in on. Yeah, like pancreatic cancer killed my grandpa. Why isn't that in there? Well, and, and, and that's the thing when it comes to insurance plans is you're striking a balance w- with everything. And, and, you know, sometimes there's a difference between what's covered through the Oregon Health Plan and what's covered through private insurance. But everything you add as a mandate to be covered is going to make the cost go up that yeah. just a little bit more. But at the same time, people are paying a lot of money for their health insurance they want to be able to spend it in the way that they want. They don't want to have to follow a bunch of restrictions. So you want it to be broad enough that people are getting the bang for their buck, but you don't want to have so many mandates that it's unaffordable. And this is kind of why I would be open to a single payer or something similar to that, because you kind of get rid of all that. You don't have to choose your coverage. You don't have to decide what's included and what's not, because it's all included. And the government has the economies of scale to negotiate with the medical providers. And so you get good prices. I like there, there are other issues with it. I'm not convinced that that is the only or the best solution, but again, there are many problems with our healthcare system. And I think that we're, I'm definitely personally open to discussion about how we can improve it. Well, and I think there's a lot of issues with 
employer-based healthcare. I think there's a lot of people who really love their employer-based healthcare. I really love my employer-based healthcare. But in a changing economy where people are having a dozen different jobs in their lifetime, does it make sense for people to be hopping plans or going without coverage for three months as they are in between jobs or whatever? Like, why why isn't it more portable? You know? Yeah. Or in the case of a global pandemic in which you lose your job and all of a sudden you have no health insurance because it was tied to your employer, maybe not the best plan. I well, don't I mean, know. And this, this is another thing where, you know, I left my fancy corporate job to start a business and I had to pay out of pocket for my health insurance. And it is expensive. Oh, the individual market It is brutal. incredibly expensive. And it wasn't until I got married and now I'm on my wife's plan that I am able to uh, <laughs> feel a little bit better about that. But like... That that's kind of, that's a thing that I went through was trying to buy my own insurance and it sucks. Well, that's the argument that I've always been surprised Democrats don't make more for the single payer system is go to the business community and say, "Hey, you guys are paying a whole bunch of money for health insurance plans for your employees. We'll take that off your plate. You yeah. won't have to pay for that anymore if you have a single payer system." So. All right. Well, we're running a little bit low on time. We've got a couple more planks to get through. So let's uh let's Power get through. to it. Uh plank 12, we support women's Begin parenthesis and particularly women's of color, women of colors, close parenthesis, <laughs> reproductive <laughs> rights by calling for uh, reparations for all women who are sterilized without consent in jails, prisons, and state institutions. Very specific. I note uh, yeah. about what they're referring to, and that was a travesty and injustice, but I don't know what it has to do with being in a plank when it's. Well, calling for reparations for women who are sterilized. So, I mean, you're, you, you used to be familiar with that. Would. Were women sterilized against their will in state institutions? Uh, yes. Uh, and also a lot of indigenous women as well. That was a thing that happened. So okay. I understand, uh, I understand it, but it's again very specific in a very, like, very tiny lane. It kind of sounds like someone's pet issue, which again, a grave injustice that definitely deserves some reparations because what we did was awful to those women. Absolutely awful. Um, and we should apologize for it and probably should pay them back for the fact that they're never able to experience the uh, joy of motherhood. So, hmm. I, I have a note here, actually, and I, I'm not super familiar with this, but it's uh, what my note says from when I researched before, researched this before, is that people, some women were offered reduced prison sentences in exchange for sterilization. Ooh, that's, that's that almost disgusting. makes it worse. That's disgusting. Yeah. That almost makes it worse. <laughs> It seems like this was done mostly in California, but it was, to my knowledge, mostly done in California. But it was not exclusive to California. So, I mean, absolutely something that should never have happened, and yeah, we may need to make that right. Uh, plank thirteen: We believe healthcare is a human right. We believe in free, universal, quality healthcare, including pharmaceuticals and dental and mental health for all. Didn't they already say this? Probably. I. <laughs> like, I feel like they've said this like three different ways so far in this in this in this article. I mean, whatever. this this is this is the thing that gets me about this whole healthcare debate is the there is a difference between healthcare and healthcare insurance. Yeah, and these things are conflated way too often. It says if you don't have insurance, therefore you don't have healthcare, which is not true. If you need healthcare, you will get healthcare regardless of whether or not you can pay. And you know it. It might bankrupt you in the process because they're going to come after you for that money, but you will get healthcare. And like that is a problem, the fact that you can go bankrupt from a medical procedure. But these are two different things. Yep. So I think that using the same term for both is 
disingenuous and it's mostly done by the democrats i would agree anyway okay point 14 we believe generally accepted holistic healing practices and alternative medicine particularly those areas licensed by the state such as acupuncture and medical cannabis especially when utilized to relieve intractable pain without the side effects of conventional controlled drugs okay no (laughs) (laughs) okay this holistic natural medicine bs no offense to my ex-wife like this is a thing that is so like hippy dippy ridiculous that is no no proven fact no reality involving it what's supporting acupuncture in your actual plank democrats really so really where's your reiki like what like what what's going on here where's your like you know uh uh you know medicated teeth therapy like no this is no, stop it. So and and you call you call the Republicans anti-science? Shame on you. Shame on you. So if we're Done. talking about the free marketplace of ideas and also the like the placebo, I mean, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but the placebo effect is a real thing. You know, getting treatment that may or may not be actually helpful, but your brain believes that it's helpful and you you like people get better from placebos. And if we are going to, as a party or as a three of us, say that we believe in the free marketplace of ideas and believe allow people to do what they want, I, I say I say allow them. I don't say that. I mean, I wouldn't support them in my platform, but I, I I'm okay with people going to an acupuncturist. I don't think that should be prohibited. There's a difference between prohibited and actively encouraged, which is what this is doing by putting it into the party platform. That's true. Again, we, we they, support and generally accept is the first several words. They are supporting grifters and frauds. And again, if this is in your private life or whatever, I don't care. This is not like this is dealing with your health, though. Like this is a little bit more dangerous than it is than like allowing you know fa- fantasy football to exist, in which you're just going to get your money taken by some you know nerd who can crunch numbers better than you can. You know, like that like that guy's a grifter, but he should take all the money from the jocks, and that's fine. Uh, but this is a different subject. This is like legitimately doing with people's lives in their hands and saying this grifter who will not actually make you better because it's all in your head is a completely acceptable thing, and that that I have an issue with. Well, I, I think I think there's there's a little bit of a difference between like some of the quacks and grifters out there because there is a lot of that in the medical community. You know, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen and stuff like this. But naturopathic doctors provide a lot of the primary care in Oregon because we have a essentially a primary care doctor shortage. So this is a lot of people's first contact with the healthcare system is some of these more alternative styles of medicine, and it, it, and it's and it's and it's filling a role. And I think it is beneficial. And at the end of the day, I'm a freedom guy, and people should be able to seek the health care that they want but there's there's definitely snake oil salesmen out there you gotta look out for watch out for quacks okay plank 15 (laughs) we believe in ensuring economic and physical access to multilingual services begin parenthesis such as health care close parenthesis and that we must address health care disparities and promote the goals of the health and human services office of minority health i like it i like it okay uh, my only issue is, you know, more more stuff with the federal government. I would rather see that at the at the state level rather than uh, health and human services. Uh, yeah, that's my I, only my only comment here. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that, but I do think that um, you know, too many people on our side of the aisle are very much like English only, and it's just like you're yes. going to get people killed that way. 
Yes, agreed. And, and that's dumb. So you, supporting multilingual health is completely fine with me. Fun fact, do you know the official language of the United States of America? Doesn't exist. There isn't one. There Doesn't is exist. No, there is no official language of the United States. Uh, and there's actually several states in the union whose official languages are numerous languages. Interesting. Louisiana, for example, that. English and French. Huh. All right. Plank 16. We support authorizing state and federal governments to negotiate drug prices with transparency. Mm-hmm. Okay. This goes back to the single payer thing. Like if the state and federal government are controlling the health care, then they would be negotiating. So I don't see any issue with this one. If you're, if you're going on a single payer plan. Yeah, and you would think that having the United States as such a large buyer would be able to go and drive uh, and negotiate lower prices being like the biggest buyer around. Yeah. Is the theory, I believe. So However, New Jersey actually has this really interesting system for pharmacy benefit managers. It's called a reverse auction. So um, they come in and they have this system where <laughs> pharmacy benefit managers will come in and bid prices on these plans. And after each round, they get to see like where they ranked in the results so that they can lower the cost of what they're offering for each plan and it'll go through like three steps so at the end of the day it's a system of making these pharmacy benefit managers compete so you get the lowest price price drugs for whatever the the state program is interesting i like that i like that too all right moving on plank 17 we support a ban on civilian sale and purchase of military style weapons and high capacity magazines oh my god so we are this is the healthcare basic needs and gun safety article we are now on number 17 out of 18 and it's the first mention of guns uh second mention they mentioned the second amendment thing earlier oh that's right they did you're right you're right we said it was had, nowhere near near this one <laughs> we, so we unclear had, reasons we've had two uh, our planks about freedom of the press, and now we're on our second one of guns. I think this was written by somebody that doesn't know what guns are. Yeah, th- this is this is the comment you always make on this sort of thing: is what is military style, and who defines what military style it's is? It's scary looking. It's right. It's black in it, color and has it a looks, scope. <laughs> it looks intimidating. Um, the stock. it's made of wood. It's fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, that's a good point. The, wooden the, guns are less dangerous than metal guns that well, are black. Well, that's just science. <laughs> okay, so this is where I get upset about things like this. Basically, uh, most, you know, 44, 45 caliber semi-automatic pistols are technically military-style pistols. Well, but who who decides what military style? Well, that's is? what I'm saying, though. Do that's st- why it's so arbitrary and stupid. This is why the D- the, the DPO uh, uh, plank 17 of Article Six is stupid. I, yeah, it, I carried I carried a, a yeah forty five caliber pistol, right? Nine, nine round magazine in right. the military. Yeah, that is so. That's a military style because I carried one in the military. Yeah, that's a standard issue. Yep. Whereas again, technically, my um, you know nine my, mi- my nine millimeter seventeen round semi automatic pistol is not considered military because you guys don't carry that. Correct. That's silly. I carry twice as many bullets as you do. Yeah, and it would be fine. And again. Um, like, does that mean I can't own an, uh, an M1 carbine because, you know, American troops in World War II helped, you know, carry that thing? Or, yeah. or, 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 or a Mauser like K98? Like, it's, th- this is, this is the biggest <laughs> problem with anyone fighting for gun control. So anybody who owns a gun and uses a gun on a regular basis generally is not invited to help 
draft legislation for gun control. And so what ends up happening is the people drafting gun control are people who have never touched a gun in their lives. And they they watch the wire. (laughs) They end up with stupid (laughs) things like like military style weapons, which is not a term. It it has no definition whatsoever. And yeah, to your point, if you were going to even say military style, you could, you could call any gun military style because it, yeah, a nine millimeter or 45 caliber, so awesome. and, my automatic and, pistol and, is standard issue in the military. And the vast, vast, vast majority of gun crimes are committed with handguns. Yeah. I mean, exactly. uh, and also, uh, you know, uh, cops in this country kill three times as many people as people are killed with long guns in this country by civilians on civilians. So I'm just going to throw that out there, too, real quick. Just give you an idea of, like, how not big of an issue this is compared to, I don't know, police reform. Anyways. Oh, so something Xander didn't mention in his bio is that he was featured in the uh, Washington Post. Uh, I got featured in a lot of papers. For, um, for carrying an American flag at the protests in downtown Portland. I did get featured a couple times doing that. Um, by got interviewed by the Washington Post. Um, I got interviewed by Street Roots. Uh, I got interviewed by, I guess, the Austrian equivalent of NPR. I don't nice. know. But yeah, so um, apparently federal troops don't like it when you hold an American flag in their face and then bend down and pray in front of them while they're trying to tear gas you because uh, I had to have a fellow protester go and tap me on the shoulder and say, we got to get you out of here because the feds are specifically targeting, quote unquote, that guy with the flag. Hmm. Thanks, Trump troops. Love you. See you next time. Good times. <laughs> okay. The, on to plank 18, the final plank of this article. We promote comprehensive, stable, and easily accessible mental health services to address the immediate needs of individuals up to and including inpatient and residential care when needed, regardless of patient circumstances. I like the sentiment. Yeah. I think it's direly needed in this state. I I wish that the Democratic mayor and the Democratic city council and the Democrats... Do I need to repeat all those again? Yes. I wish they would actually do this. The Democratic mayor, the Democratic city council, the Democratic county commission, the Democratic metro, the Democratic uh, governor, the Democratic state legislature, who have had House control and of this Senate, by House the way. and Senate super majorities, and yet we still have no access to easily accessible mental health services. What's yeah. going on, Democrats? It, it, it There's seems- no one standing in your way. This is not a Republican problem of preventing you from doing this. Why don't you just do it? Well, and even outside just the policy aspect, like culturally, we need to push back on the stigma of seeking mental health services. I mean, Thank I th- you. I think it's as mm. big a, I think it's as big, maybe not as big a part as physical health, but, you know, I think there's, we, I think we need to break down barriers to people seeking access to mental health services. Agreed. And right. unfortunately, as part of COVID, I think it, a lot of this mental health infrastructure in our state's taken a big hit. I couldn't agree more with Jacob right now. Um, the, the stigma against mental health in this country, in this culture on a whole, is it's it's abhorrent. You know, we we look down upon people like and that's why it took until I think the nineteen late seventies or eighties to even call uh, shell shock PTSD. You know, because there's a stigma about people that experience you know PTSD in the military or even just in their own personal life, the trauma that they had to go and endure. It took decades to go and finally call it what it was, which was like, and that's just one example. You know, people get looked down upon for having depression or bipolar disorder or, or, or autism or whatever it is. You know, and it's it, it's it, it's shameful for us as a culture to go and stigmatize our fellow citizens for having a problem that they did not ask for. Yeah. In most cases, you know, uh, and, the, and the same way we deal with like, you know, things like drug addiction too. like it's like, it, like most of it is a mental 
problem that can be dealt with in non uh, justice system ways. Yeah. And again, I know I rag on the cops a lot, but they 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 also should not be having to go and deal with problems like mentally disturbed people on the street. They're not equipped for it. It's not your job. It shouldn't be your job. I feel bad that it's part of your job, actually, because you're not equipped to do it. Um, and so, you know, having more, you know, like social workers and stuff like that on the streets and more like EMTs to be called out for most of these kinds of things to take the burden off the cops is what we should be doing right now. And again, Democrats, get your um, stuff together. <laughs> Sorry, family, fa- family broadcast. Family friendly podcast. But honestly, get it together. You could have solved almost every single problem that you have listed in your platform 20 years ago. And you okay. haven't. And you haven't, and you're shameful for it, because then you get to go and pray, like, oh, we're here to go and help you with all these things while we don't fix a darn thing. I caught myself again. Very proud of myself. Yeah. So I'd say on this one, agree with the sentiment. Let's see how we get there. Great. On that note, we're going to end the podcast. Listeners, thank you, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.